3: A good Wednesday morning. I'm Paul Perot. This is Mornings, well, without Carmen here on Faith Radio. Okay, you're probably wondering where Carmen is. Well, maybe you already know because we talked about it yesterday, and she's actually talked about it too. Yesterday, she had surgery to remove a melanoma spot on her neck. And you're probably going, oh, okay, how did it go? Well, the good news is things went well. The surgery was actually pretty quick. She was in in the surge- in the operating room, at about seven o'clock central, she was home by ten o'clock. Things went well. She is yes dealing with a little pain, which is to be expected, and uh, otherwise she's she's doing well. So we we ask and pr- ask you that you continue to pray for her. One of the funny things she shared with us is that hopefully she doesn't mind me talking about this, but the uh, the little scar right now kind of has a it looks like a question mark, and she said how appropriate because she's always. Always asking questions, which makes her a good host for Mornings with Carmen. And hopefully she'll be back in on Monday. Well, quickly looking at some of the news headlines, of course, all eyes on Ian. Hurricane Ian battering Florida right now. It's just off the coast, moving very slowly, like 10 miles an hour. Yeah, it's drawing closer to landfall later today. Somewhere between Sarasota and Naples, packing life-threatening storm surges, as well as potentially catastrophic wind damage and flooding rains. Last reported about uh, two hours ago as a Category 4 with sustained winds near the eye of 140 miles an hour. They're thinking it might weaken to a Category 3 or just on the line between a 3 and 4 when it hits landfall late this afternoon or evening. So, again, be in prayer for the people down in Florida. Many have evacuated, but uh, be in prayer for uh, the people of Florida at this time. On a flip side, weather-wise, this is nowhere near as bad. It just is a sign of things to come. Okay, yesterday morning, parts of northern Minnesota and Wisconsin had frost, and even a little snow was reported in Ely, Minnesota, up on the Iron Range, the Arrowhead of uh, of Minnesota. Yes, in September. It's coming. Okay. Let's look at today's Growing Your Faith verse, which is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Oh, yes, the love chapter. We all love the love chapter. And the verses we're focusing on today, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Why are we to be patient and kind? I keep thinking, okay, if you know that our sovereign God is in control, and that he will bring his kingdom to pass and bring all things to right— We don't have to be anxious and impatient. We can be kind. Even when things seem on the surface hopeless, we can continue to act in love. We never gives up. It never loses faith. It keeps on hoping and enduring through every circumstance. That's that kind of love. So where does this love apply? Does it apply in our relationship with God? Well, definitely, because he's patient and kind with us, and we need to be patient as he works all things together in his right time. Does it apply to our church relationships? Yes, it applies there very much so as we're patient and kind with each other. How about in our marriages? Well, you know we use we use uh, you know First Corinthians thirteen in our wedding ceremonies many times. Yes, definitely. Our families, yes. At work, well, you know it's needed there too. How about when you're out in the marketplace shopping and somebody cuts you off, drive, you know, in the parking lot or, you know, you're you get bad service? Yeah, yeah, it really should apply there, too. How about when we're engaging in society and in the political sphere and, you know, you hear all the screaming on the TV and you see all the strange stuff on the social media feeds? Yeah. It applies there, too. That's where we want to go in our next conversation. Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson. Also, he blogs at For Our, For our City. Actually, it's Daryl Crouch uh, at sub Daryl com. But, yeah, we're going to be talking with him as we continue the series this year we've been doing with him. From the living word of God to living out God's word. How can we as Christians be peacemakers in the midst of our our cultural divides right now. That's what we'll talk about next. I'm Paul Perot filling in for Carmen. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. days that I thought would never end. Again, thank you for listening this morning to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in for the rest of this week. Joining me now, Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson. Again, you can find uh, much of his stuff if you go to, I thought I had it on my notes here. Ah, my bad, my bad. Uh, it's uh, darylcrouch.substack.com, right, Daryl? That's correct, yeah. I'm still trying to work through my online presence, but yeah, thanks. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about one of your more recent posts which came about – well, we'll touch on it anyway uh, later on that you wrote shortly after the Dobbs decision was handed down because frankly – That's where our country is right now. We're heavily divided. That is just one of the main issues that's dividing us, but it's by far not the only one. And the question we have before is how can we as Christians be peacemakers in the midst of our divide? Now, first off, I I shared with you an article that kind of showed where our voting public is divided, and there's some serious division on some major issues. And then I saw another poll I didn't get to you, but when it comes to our perception of those who are, I guess we'd say our political opponents, quote, air quotes on that. Um, a lot of people view those who are, have different views, especially those from the, on the, you know, if you're on the right side, you see the left as stupid or evil and vice versa. They see us as stupid or evil. In the midst of that, How do we as Christians bring peace? And first question, first thing I want to bring out is you are, by nature, kind of a peacemaker in what you do. Because as Everyone's Wilson, which is actually, okay, maybe I should let you talk about it. Everyone's Wilson, describe what the organization is. Yeah, I appreciate all that, Paul. Uh, We're a network, a network of uh,
2: various churches, businesses, nonprofits uh, that are working together, choose to work together together. Uh, for the good of uh, everyone in our community and so uh, we um, cooperate through uh, we pray together uh, we learn together uh, we serve together we collaborate on big uh, big problems in our community and how we can work together to solve those and so um, at the very ground level we're around schools we're coming around uh, public schools in our community in a robust way, with uh, partnerships with churches and businesses and nonprofits, serving each individual school according to their needs. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, collaboration. There's a lot of uh, reaching across the aisle, so to speak, that we do uh, because we do all care about the same things. And I think one of the questions we have to ask on a personal level as believers is really what what's our What's our goal? Uh, what's, what, what is it that we really want to see in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives, in the social systems, in our community? Uh, what really does that look like? Uh, sometimes I think we're, um, we operate maybe from a place of, um, of wanting to, 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 to be right, and we do, should be right. Uh, the gospel is true, and the Bible is true, and God's redeeming work through Christ is imperative, Uh, and so we want to be right about those things, but sometimes we're, it, it seems that we engage folks in order to win an argument, Mm. uh, rather than to win, uh, win a friend and win a, win a person, uh, to, to saving knowledge of Christ. And so I think we have to ask ourselves sometimes what, what really is our ultimate goal? And then what are some of the short-term steps that we need to take, um, in order to reach that goal and uh, and Jesus was a uh, obviously is is our model and uh he was our redeemer and and he engaged people where they were mm-hmm. uh in a very gracious way and uh um invited them to follow him uh, not all of them did uh, but he served them he loved them he uh spoke truth to them and he um and- invited them to repent of their sins. Uh, he, he did all those things, uh, but he uh, put on flesh and he dwelt among us. And so I think sometimes we we want folks to believe us um, and, and follow us without actually um, doing the work that it takes to build the trust that that would, that would
3: require. We're talking with Daryl Klotz right now from Everyone's Wilson, talking about Us as Christians, how can we be peacemakers in our culture? And, okay, we're going to take a break right here, but uh, when we come back, I want to first start out, probably the big place you find the phrase peacemakers is in the Beatitudes, in in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. And, of course, first when I look at Beatitudes, I know Jesus is saying that to us, but if you read through them, you really see Jesus in all of that. And we're going to focus, though, on the peacemaking aspect here in just a moment as we continue Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio.
2: Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live
0: at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day.
3: Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and we continue talking with Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson, talking about how can we as Christians truly be peacemakers in the midst of our divided world, our divided neighborhoods, our divided nation. And okay, this, Daryl, is part of when we've been talking to you this year, Carmen had the great idea, okay, let's, because you have such a pastoral heart, and we love this, how we can take the living word of God and live out his word. So let's start digging in the word. And as I mentioned, you know, when we think about being peacemakers, have to go to Jesus first in his famous phrase as part of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's first define, in your mind, what does it mean to be a peacemaker?
2: Yeah, it's real distinct from being a peacekeeper, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And,
3: and, you know, peacekeeping
2: is um, is, is avoidance and um, uh, avoiding the the differences between us and uh, 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 not speaking the truth in love, but instead just avoiding any um, any risk of conflict peacemaking uh, re- requires some courage. I think uh, Francis Schaefer said that 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 truth ref- requires confrontation a loving contra- confrontation uh, but confrontation nonetheless. and so I think when we think of uh, of a peacemaker, sometimes we think of of someone who uh, perhaps is is on courage, but really the opposite is true. We we step into uh, dark places and we bring the light of the gospel, um, and we 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 speak the truth, but we also demonstrate the truth in the way that we love neighbor, in the way that we uh, confront issues that uh, may be hurting our neighbors, and and we speak those things in a way that is um, uh, biblical, Christ-centered, uh, but also Spirit-filled. And uh, it is the Spirit of God who dwells within us and speaks through us that ultimately changes hearts and brings peace. Uh, we, we live in a very anxious world. We very, live in a very divided and angry kind of culture at this moment. And uh, it's the presence of Christ in us. That brings peace, and uh, He is ultimately peace, right? And so I think we we have to to think, uh, what is it again that we're trying to accomplish? What is it our hope? What's what's God's hope and His His aim for our neighbors and those that we're engaging with, and that we uh, bring um, peace to bear in the in the circumstances that we find ourselves.
3: Okay, now something you said early in what you just talked about there kind of jumped out at me because you you contrasted the peacekeeper, which is the avoidance issue, just you know put up the wall, keep keep the things. You're talking peacemaking, which requires a level of relationship. You have to be willing to get to know the people. You have to be willing to engage in a loving way. I mean, going back to you know, Everyone's Wilson, it's a diverse group of ministries, nonprofits, and businesses. I'm sure you all have different views on many things, but you, you found the commonality and you also found the relationship and the commitment to work with each other.
2: That's right. And, and trust really is the equity of, you know, it's, it's the currency of change, rather. And, and, and I think if many times we're not willing to do what it takes to build that trust, Again, Jesus came and he put on flesh and he dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. There was a, a relational and your in your terminology, a relational aspect mm-hmm. to Jesus's ministry on earth. And and uh, what he's called us in making disciples is very relational. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to know you for three years or seven years before I share the gospel or a, a, a confront you with anything significant. But it does mean that we have to do some work to build trust, that simply because we have a voice and a platform doesn't earn us the right uh, necessarily to step into someone's life. Um, uh, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served, to give my life as a ransom for many." And so through service, through proven skill, through um, sincere love, uh, we build trust with our neighbors and with those people of influence in our community. I think we should write letters to our mayor. We should, you know, do all those things as long as they're uh, done well. But a letter to the mayor or a letter to the principal uh, is, isn't probably going to move the needle like we hope. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's showing up and, and serving and uh, being a part of helping them be successful and how we can bring solutions to bear in their in their most um, uh, needed spaces and so yeah um, relationships are critical because it's through relationships that we build trust and um, i think that is really the way that we see the transformation that we want to see
3: okay and then Another couple of verses, I mean, there's Romans twelve eighteen. if possible, so far, as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then also yesterday, this was our Growing Your Faith verse here at uh, Faith Radio, mm-hmm. Hebrews twelve fourteen and into 15. Work at living in peace with everyone and working at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you f- uh, fails to receive the grace of God.
2: I want you I to love come that. Yeah. Yeah, I love those verses. And really, um, this is the essence of spirit-filled living. Mm. Uh, th- there, is, there is nothing about any of those verses that come natural to us. Um, when we think of uh, putting others above ourselves, that's just not our first inclination. When we think about pursuing peace with everyone, that's not maybe what comes natural to us. It is the spirit of God and so as we that works within us. And so as we uh, yield to the spirit and walk in the spirit, we will see people as God sees them, as image bearers, worthy of respect and dignity and care and concern. I also think you mentioned the relationship thing a while mm-hmm. ago, but when we get to know someone, when we know their name and their story, and uh, maybe their motivations and where they're coming from. It doesn't change the truth about the gospel or about what's needed, but it does uh, do something in our heart um, to love them a little bit better. Uh, They're not just a name on a Twitter feed. They're not just a a, a public figure. They're a person, and uh, as we get close to them, we, we find that it's easier to love them. It's messy, but mm-hmm. it's easier to see them as a neighbor rather than as an adversary. Yeah. And so I think um, Spirit-filled living, as we walk in the Spirit, and He brings people into our, into our lives, and we see those as divine opportunities, kairos, this moment mm-hmm. that we have to impact lives, um, God will use that.
3: Another thing, and by the way, we're talking with Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in for Carmen today. And I want to draw people's attention, and we'll have a link on our show notes, to an article you had. You wrote back in late June, Daryl, at your Substack feed, darylcrouch.substack.com. And your name, the name of your organization is Everyone's Wilson, and you talked about an, in the article everyone being whole. Now, part of the aspect of peace and peacemaking is you want – Wholeness for people—you want them to flourish, and so you had an article around that. And, and the latter part of the article, and we have like two minutes, I want you to quickly summarize the three graces for flourishing communities because you want people to flourish. That is a part of peacekeeping.
2: Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. He's making, yeah, so, I should say. Yeah, so these these graces um, that I call them, I I think influence is is um, a really good word that. That we have again the presence of Christ. He said, I, I'm, "I'm with you always, even to the end of the into the earth or into the world." He, he says that I'm I'm with you always. His enduring presence um, assures us of of uh, his work through us, and so influence uh, opportunity is the other one that there is this <clears throat> this divine moment that we're in. That some of us are an- anxious about, but it really is a wonderful moment that we have to bring clarity to the gospel and clarity to God's redeeming work in the world. Uh, political engagement alone, I say, can't f- create flourishing communities. But but as we um, um, engage with with our neighbors uh, and um, uh, disciple making, then that affects the downstream uh, nature of our cultural uh, moment and of the political environment that we're in. And -hmm. then obedience uh, is just a really, um, it's not a great word. We don't, it's not a word we love to use, but uh, Jesus used this. And so we lay aside our autonomy. We lay aside our, our independence in that sense. And we voluntarily uh, surrender to Jesus uh, when When we live out this uh, faith of ours, those three graces come to bear of influence and opportunity and obedience. And God, again, intersects all that and uses us uh, for his glory in our particular local situation. And I think that's just in final note, Paul. I think um, we read the headlines of the national news and uh, maybe big picture kind of things, and that's important. But the work that God's called us to do, the seed he's given us locally, is really important. So we should step into that.
3: Right. I, I kind of go to a verse that we're also focusing on um, today here at Faith Radio with our Reading the Bible Together, First Peter. And where Peter is ta- telling him, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires. But he goes on from there, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if you ac- they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give glory to God. Absolutely, uh, it's our neighbors. It's the again the place that
2: God's given to us. Our local address. Our our mm-hmm. local very small uh, by and large. You know, a circle of influence. Right. Uh, we all think about online platforms. We all think about making a big splash in the world, and God has given some folks opportunity to do that. But most of us are just normal people who are living our lives, but God uses us in extraordinary ways. A lot of little
3: acts of faithfulness go a long way and do a lot of big good. So, hey, Daryl, thanks again for joining us here on Faith Radio. So appreciate your uh, partnership with us on Mornings with Carmen. It's an honor, Paul. Y'all have a great day. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in this week. Up next, a little bit of Max Lucato. Mm-hmm. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Again, I'm Paul Perot filling in. And okay, all of us at some level believer or unbeliever are theologians. We all have views of God about spirituality, even even atheism is a form of a theology because you're just saying there is no God. That's a statement. That being said, that doesn't mean we're all good theologians. There was a there was a report that came out recently, the State of Theology report, and some well from a Christian biblical Christian standpoint, some disconcerting um, trends in that, which we're going to talk about with Mark Turman. Mark is with the Denison Forum. He'll join me shortly here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks again for listening to Faith Radio. Okay, I saw something interesting this morning as I was perusing the headlines that really touches on theology. I'm Paul Pro, by the way. This is Mornings with Carmen, and it was an article at Evangelical Focus where, okay, they were reporting about how the Moscow Orthodox patriarch Kirill said, dying in combat washes away the sins of the soldier. Here's the statement he said, if in fulfillment of this duty a person dies then he is undoubtedly committing a sacrificial act. He sacrificed himself for others. This sacrifice washes away all the sins that a person has committed. You know, there's there's an element of truth when you think about Christ and his sacrificial act. But, okay, as much as we want to say, what was he thinking? Unfortunately, when you look at the beliefs of a lot of people, you have to kind of go, what are they thinking? Sometimes even us. We have to think clearly about things, and that's why I'm glad to have Mark uh, Terman from the Denison Forum joining us. Hey, Mark, good morning. Thanks for joining us on uh, on Faith Radio.
1: Good morning, Paul. Great to be with you.
3: So when you heard what uh, the patriarch said, what was the first thing that shot into your mind?
1: Well, it just sounds like that the, the uh, patriarch, like many people in America, many leaders in America, we could say— has his own theology problems that uh, are reflected in our country like they're reflected in that comment. It uh, It would be typical that many people think that if you die in a certain way, you die in a noble cause, or you live for a noble cause, then your good works is your means of salvation. That is common theology among a lot of people, and unfortunately among a lot of religious leaders, as in this case, but the only problem with it is it doesn't square with the Bible. The Bible makes it very clear that we cannot be saved by our works, no matter how noble they might might be, even if they are in the cause of battle for uh, a noble cause. It doesn't matter. There's nothing that can take away our sin except the sacrifice
3: of Christ. No sacrifice that we might make could ever do that. No, we're talking about the you're talking about the views that Americans have, and that was the subject of a recent report, a study that happens every two years that uh, Ligonier Ministries and and uh, Lifeway Research have been doing, the State of Theology report, and that kind of triggered both of us to thinking, and we wanted to talk about that. So, uh, Mark, give us a background about the State of Theology. I did a brief cursory one here, but the State of Theology study. What's it been trying to accomplish over the last so many we- or years?
1: Well, the creators of this study at uh, the two organizations you mentioned, which are very reputable and uh, very strong research organizations, about every two years, like you said, they, they want to know just what the pulse of theology is within American culture and among evangelicals. And so... They ask a series of questions, and what's great about this is that they're doing this every 24 months, and so they're watching for trends and changes in people's uh, spiritual theological understanding about what they believe about God, what they believe about the Bible, what they believe about salvation, uh, and other topics of that nature. And so they're tracking this over time and watching for changes, both positive and negative. And so it's helpful in that way and gives us an idea of how the culture is thinking on a broad scope.
3: Okay, you're thinking about culture because they also looked at, they they narrowed it down to evangelicals, which we'll get to in a bit, but tell us some of the trends that you saw are when you're looking through the report that jumped out at you as far as the general culture, the average American and things they're viewing. For example... This one, this is one of the first ones they put on the report on the page that I was looking at. Their question number four, statement number four, actually, God learns and adapts to different circumstances. And what jumped out at you with that?
1: Well, it really caught my attention. That's the first item in the survey, this idea that God can change when the Bible is very clear in multiple places that God is what theologians call immutable. He has no need for change, no capability of change because he is complete in every way in in himself and therefore there is no uh, no possibility of him being able to change. Christians find a great deal of comfort in that in knowing that God is uh, as we say the anchor of our faith from the book of Hebrews that we can count on him to be the same, because he has no need or capacity for change but people want to believe that god is more like us and that he has a need to learn grow adapt advance in his understanding when as aw tozer says that just simply is not possible because he is complete and has never ever not been immutable and complete in every bit of
3: his essence Hmm. What were some of the other things, again, looking at the broad culture of Americans and the State of Theology report that jumped out at you? Well,
1: two things in this report were really confirmation for me and for us at Denison Forum relative to people's idea and understanding of what the Bible is. Uh, Christians believe, and I believe should believe, that the Bible is the inspired Word of God from cover to cover— and that it gives us all the spiritual truth that we need, maybe not all the spiritual truth that we want, but all the spiritual truth that we need for, as the Bible says, life and godliness. Uh, But many people do not believe that that's true of the Bible. They see it as a, uh, more or less, as Dr. Dennison has said, a religious diary of experience that some people had. But The Bible says that it is, in fact, God-breathed, that it is like no other book. But that's not surprising to us. We've been watching and talking about for years that we now live in a post-truth culture where so many in our world and even among the evangelical community at times say that there is no such thing as objective truth, only subjective experience and subjective truth. And then one of the other things that comes out of the survey is reflected in as an outcome of that, which is our views about sexuality have moved away from what the Bible teaches
3: us as well. So how is that impacting how um, you at the Denison Forum and how you feel we as, you know, Bible-believing Christians should be engaging? Because, it, it, you know, we can look at these, this information and kind of go, oh, it's, this is the trends. How, how do you feel we should be engaging? In these in these areas?
1: Well, I think pers-
3: first of all, it's,
1: it's a matter of personal commitment of believers really getting serious about what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, you know, salvation is a personal thing. Uh, rededication is a personal thing. If you're already a Christian, but you begin to understand through the Holy Spirit and through the Bible that uh, you're not aligned with the things of God and with the truths of God as you should be, then that can bring you to a point of initial salvation or rededication. We're praying for that obviously always, and hopefully every one of us as believers would be doing that on a daily basis. We believe that revival comes to a church when a congregation of people begin to more fully align themselves in community together with God's will. But we are praying in a bold way at Denison Forum for a spiritual awakening in our country and in our generation that there would be a widespread movement of the Holy Spirit that would come across our country and across our generation, that people would begin to really anchor themselves in the person of Christ and in the revelation that we get in the Bible. Now, I think that starts, Paul, with every individual believer living that out on a daily basis and then living it in winsome joy and invitation to Mm -hmm. the people around them. Look at the people in your home, your neighbors, your circles of relationship and influence. Where can you live a passionate Christian life that others will see as attractive and different from what they're seeing in the culture as people's lives uh, come uh, come apart in so many ways because they're not living in agreement with God? Mm, yeah,
3: there, there's so, much, so many strings I could pull on that because, I mean, again— Yes, we need to live in ways, yes, we need to evangelize, not dissing that, but unless we're living lives in accord with God's truth as well, um, and joyously doing so, the world is just going to kind of, yeah, interesting, never mind. right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, why, why would they want something that doesn't uh, that doesn't look different and doesn't look more joyful, more hopeful,, um, more beautiful? than what they're experiencing in in their own attempts to try to figure life out. Why, why would they want it if they can't see it incarnated and and manifested in our lives?
3: Mm, incarnation, like that. Well, we're talking with Mark Turman on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro filling in. When we conti- continue, we'll continue looking at the state of theology. And, okay, you can point the finger at the world at large, but anytime you point your finger, you remember the phrase, Mark, three fingers are pointing back?
1: That's right.
3: we got to look at ourselves and what we who claim to be evangelical um, are believing, too. In this study, it wasn't very pretty. So let's talk about that in just a few moments. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio.
3: We're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to hey, hey, Let's get washed by the water, water. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot on Faith Radio. Carmen, away until Monday. It's talking right now with Mark Turman. He is with the Denison Forum. We've talked to Jim Denison and Mark on and off quite a bit because we really appreciate the stuff you can find at the Denison Forum, denisonforum.org, right, Mark? Yes, .org. .org. I, I love the way you do your, not just cultural commentary, but how would you describe what you're doing? Because it really is so good, such good analysis, such good thinking.
1: Yeah, our desire is to discern the news differently, and what we mean by that is is we want to see everything through a biblical uh, Holy Spirit lens and to try to understand it that way and then to respond to it in the most redemptive ways possible.
3: All right. Well, it is so helpful. I know Carmen goes to it regularly. I go there quite often myself. And so thank you for what you and your team have been doing. Let's get back to our conversation about the recent State of Theology report put out by Ligonier Ministries and uh, Lifeway Research. And we were talking about some of the general trends in the general culture when it comes to certain theological questions. Those same questions were asked of evangelicals. Now, First off, what do they mean by evangelical? Because there's a lot of people who would—they classified evangelicals this way. Respondents must strongly agree that, number one, the Bible is the highest authority for faith. Two, Jesus' death is the only sacrifice that removes our sin. Three, faith in Christ alone is the only way to receive salvation. And four, it's personally important to encourage non-Christians to trust in Christ as Savior. Now, whether a person describes themselves as evangelical, big E or not— this is a little e, you're considered an evangelical in this study. Um, now, those things being said, there were some trends that you saw there, Mark, that were disconcerting. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up that definition. Uh, coined in the late 80s by uh, a British theologian called David Beddington. That's called the Beddington Quadrilatical as a definition, a theological definition of evangelical In our culture today, there's actually two or three more definitions of that word, one of them sociological and now a political definition Mm. that the word evangelical defines a voting block. Right. Um, But I, I love that simple and clear definition of an evangelical. But what's interesting to me about this, one of the things that caught my eye was the question, do you think that people are born good or that people are inherently good? And that many evangelicals uh, agreed with that statement, even though the Bible clearly teaches that from the Garden of Eden until today, every person that is born is born with a sinful nature. Now, what we mean by that is, is that sure, babies are innocent at birth. They haven't committed any sin, but they have a nature in them that will ultimately lead them to sin as they grow older, and they will become accountable for that. You may have heard in certain denominations what we call the age of accountability, where a person becomes old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, and the Bible says that because of this sin nature, we will all ultimately choose to do wrong. Paul, one of the ways I think about that is, is that if I were the person that had been in the Garden of Eden instead of Adam, or you had been there, basically what the Bible say, say, is saying it that we are all like Adam and Eve, we would have made the choice they made To reject God and to try to become God or equal with God, if we had been there, Mm, we would have been exactly like them. We would have made the same choice. That's how we are all responsible before God and all in need of
3: grace, mercy, and redemption. Right. Getting back, okay, getting back to the Beddington quadrilateral description and talking about the Bible. there was again the phrase in there that you must strongly agree that the bible is the highest authority for faith. There was that and then when people were asked the bible like all sacred writings contain helpful accounts of ancient myths but are not literally true, how did evangelicals respond to that one?
1: Well, not not great. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, it's an indication again that uh, we have a lot of work to do within the culture and particularly starting at the church uh, because 53 percent agreed with that statement which means only about half of evangelicals by that definition have what i would call a proper understanding of what the bible is they see it uh as as a significant book but not as a divine book not as a book with authority beyond every other uh, idea, rule, or writing. And we have a lot of work to do in teaching people about the unique nature of the Bible as the revelation of God, that as Second Timothy says, that this is scripture that is God-breathed and is not like any other thing, and therefore is the ultimate authority for faith and practice. And our people just don't have a proper handle on that. And so the church. Needs to step in and to teach the unique nature of the Bible and to help people understand the process of revelation by which God gave us the Bible.
3: Another one of the statements that really jumped on me, this again, just evangelicals. The statement number, the statement they asked are said, Jesus was a great teacher, but was not God.
1: Yeah, really, really troubling to see the number of, of evangelicals who did. Uh, who agreed with that statement mm-hmm. basically saying that that Jesus was a great person he was a great teacher uh, but he was not the messiah he was not god wrapped in flesh 43% of the respondents to this survey agreed Jesus is a good guy he's a good teacher but he was not god when everything about his story as revealed in scripture and affirmed by history indicates that he was i think it was c s lewis who said That when you look at Jesus, he was either a lunatic or he was Lord. He cannot be something other than that.
3: Yeah, lunatic, or Lord.
1: Right, because because of the claims that Jesus made and because of the things that he did, he, he is either out of his mind or he is, in fact, God revealed in the flesh as the perfect sacrifice for our sin, which is the other thing. Jesus cannot be a savior. He cannot be a forgiver by dying on the cross, unless he is perfect, sinless, and in fact, God in human form. He's not capable of forgiving us of our sins through his cross unless he is God. Yeah.
3: Okay, we have like two minutes left. Uh, Real quickly to you, in one minute, what were some of the positive things you saw in the study?
1: Well, there's a couple of positive things. One is is that uh, many evangelicals are— Affirming in large numbers that abortion is uh, is wrong, that it is murder, and that it should be uh, it should be avoided and done away with in every way. There's also some indications that at least in one category of sexuality, that uh, evangelicals do align with the Bible in a strong way, believing that sex before or outside of marriage, as well as uh, Adultery—that both of those are in disagreement with God's will for our lives, and they are sinful and should be avoided and/or repented of if necessary. Now, there's other things in there about uh, evangelical beliefs regarding uh, sexuality, particularly uh, gender fluidity and homosexuality, that I don't believe align with the Bible. But at least as it pertains to premarital sex and extramarital sex they seem to align pretty strongly with what the Bible teaches.
3: And I don't know if you can do this in one minute, opportunities. What do you see in this study?
1: Yeah, Opportunities for the church to embrace a whole new line of teaching or a revived line of teaching around all of these topics. And that's part of the the work that the church should always be about doing. Uh, It's important that the church also remind people how essential it is that they become immersed in the biblical teachings uh, by reading the Bible themselves, by being in a small group, by being in worship to listen to their pastor. But Paul, when when you have the average Christian in America only showing up for one Sunday a month, it's not surprising that Mm -hmm. you're going to have this kind of of uh, response in a survey like this. Yeah. If we're not taking in God's Word consistently, if we're not praying daily, if we're not pursuing Christ together in our small groups and in our churches, we're, we're not going to know what we should believe or why we believe it. We're going
3: to have these kinds of results. So good. Hey, Mark, thanks again for joining us. Give our best to uh, Jim, and hope we hope to talk to you again in a couple weeks here on Faith Radio. All right, we'd love to do it. Y'all have a great day. You too, Mark. Blessings. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, again, this is uh, Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro. Coming up next hour, well, we're going to talk some science. We have Heather Zeiger joining us here on Faith Radio, looking at some of the science headlines, including talking about Hurricane Ian and also this Event that happened in space deflecting an asteroid. We'll talk about that here on Faith Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio dot com.